Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Um, Galatians chapter six, we have been in the, uh, we, we are in a, a series we've titled Behave Differently. Somebody say behave. Now I know that there are some people in your household, there are some people sitting next to you that could use a, some behavior modification, okay? But here's what I'd like for you to do. And we, we probably should have said this in the very beginning when we started this, is I want you to listen for you not for the person next to you, okay? So at any point in the, as, we, as we talk and uh, as we read the scriptures, I don't want you to nudge the person next to you and say, man, he is preaching to you. You need to clean out that wax in your ears because this is, this is for you. Um, you know, our theme verse has been John 13, 35, which scripture says, Jesus said, by this, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And so we've looked at all the one another's, loving one another. We've looked at uh, being patient with one another. We looked at forgiving one another, being united with one another. Last week was, anybody remember? What is it? <laughs> encouraging one another. I'm so encouraged that you remembered that. That's encouraging to me. <laughs> That's why we take notes. So you can real quick go back to your phone and look at what did, what did the pastor preach on? Um, so today is gonna be found in Galatians chapter six. I'm gonna start in verse one. And Paul is speaking to the believers in Galatia. And he says this, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual or you who are led by the spirit should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. You'll often hear it said, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anybody thinks that he is something or they are something when they are not, he deceives themselves. Each one should test their own actions and then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each of you should carry their own load. Does anybody grow, has anybody grown up with like a piano in your household? You got, you got a piano, the baby clearly does as well. And I mean, we just, we grew up, that was the first thing we did. We were like, you know, when, when we were born, my dad gave us a baseball bat and my mom gave us a piano. <laughs> She's like, you're gonna do both, all right? And so we played piano Saturday morning at like 7 a.m. Man, I'll tell you what, that was miserable. But I'm very grateful for my piano teacher who actually recently just went on to be with the Lord. Um, I'm very grateful for the dedication. And so, you know, I, when I got married and I got a house, I got a piano. Now the problem with those upright pianos is they're extremely heavy. Have you ever tried to move one of those upright pianos by yourself? Those Lego wheels that they got on that that are often always rusted never seem to work, ever. Now, I was living at, a, at the second floor of an apartment building, our first place, and I had to move, I don't even know how I got it up there, but I had to move it out because to, to the place we were going to. And so um, I could not do it on my own. It was a load that was too heavy for me. And in fact, if I tried, I probably would have killed myself. But thank God for friends. You know, when you invite them over, hey, I, I just, I need some help and I'll give you some pizza. And that always gets them there. And so I had some friends and somehow we managed to carry this upright piano that was, 
a million pounds down um, a second story and we put it on the back of my truck and uh, we had somebody in the back of the truck while we were driving, they were in the back plane and I thought that was pretty funny. And that was extremely dangerous now that I think about that. You know the, the, you know the church, if you're part of the family of God, you are called to help carry the loads of other people. If you are part of the family of God, you're here to help carry the burdens because there's a lot of things that weigh people down. There's a lot of, some of you may be showing up here, some of you may be watching on the line and you are just struggling because you're trying to carry something by yourself. But, but you remember, you stepped into church or you stepped into that small group and there were some people around you who were like, hey, we'll, we'll help you. I got you. You don't need to carry this by yourself. We're gonna help you carry this. And so it wasn't that my friends showed up and they took the load off of me. They just helped distribute the load that was on me. And so this morning, if you're taking down notes, which I always encourage you to do so, I wanna to talk to you about carrying the proper way. Carrying the proper way. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your scripture. Would it continue to shape us and encourage us, mold us, prune us? It's, we don't often like, but we know it's necessary so that we can be mature in you. And one day when we are older, we will finish the race and we will do it well. And so, Father, thank you for the word that does that. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your scripture. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So Paul is speaking here to the people in Galatia. And, you know, the people in Galatia here, uh, this was a Roman province, and Paul had traveled to Galatia on all three of his missionary journeys. And, you know, the people loved Paul at first. But then they started to question some of the things. They started to challenge some of the things that Paul said because there was like an infiltration of, of, uh, of uh, false teachers. And people with different agendas started to, to show up in the pulpits and preach a message that was contrary to what Paul was preaching. And so now Paul is like, I, I gotta defend this. So this is what this letter is in Galatians. This is what this book is about. Paul is sitting here fighting. It's engaging in a battle to fight against not only truth, but liberty. And this is why Paul, even in chapter one, he says, I want you to know, this is so important for you to know. You know, obviously he didn't have necessarily this in his hand, but he said, all that I'm teaching wasn't originated by humans, but it was originated from God. In fact, it was a revelation from God. So this wasn't, this wasn't me, this is God. I, I need you to get that. And he goes on to further this point of fighting for liberty. Go with me in Galatians chapter three. I'm gonna read verses two to six. Galatians chapter three. Come on, how many of you got a Bible in this place? A, a, real, a real Bible. If, it's okay if you got your phones. You can, turn, you can turn there as well. But if you got your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3. This is what he says. Paul said, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? Verse 5, so again I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Why do I share this? Because Paul was in a battle to fight for those living by the Spirit who were being persuaded by those living by the law. 
He said, I, I got to address this. That we got to fight against the indoctrination of legalism. That was what's happening. Now, let me give you the definition of legalism. Legalism says, I take what God says and I add my own beliefs and convictions to it. Now, some of you may have stronger convictions and stronger beliefs. That's okay. That's not necessarily wrong in itself. But when you begin to shove that agenda onto other people, when you begin to enforce those convictions that you have that are personal to you on other people, this is where we get legalism. Some of you live by a set of standards that nobody else could live by, but you could live by, and that's okay. Some of you don't have any sets of standards, and you could learn a thing or two from some people that have some standards. Amen? But Paul is fighting against this indoctrination of legalism. And here's where we get to chapter 6, verse 1. This is what he addresses. He uses this example of somebody being caught in sin. Brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, this is verse 1 of chapter 6, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, what kind of sin is Paul referring to here when it comes to restoring somebody gently? Now, notice the word that Paul uses, caught. A lot of translations will use the word overcome or overtaken. Paul is speaking as if one were to suddenly stumble into sin, suddenly, suddenly trip into sin, they were overtaken by sin. It wasn't deliberate. It wasn't planned. It was more of like a mistake. And, and that does not allow you to justify your sin. You know, I can't tell my wife, sorry, I just kind of stumbled into it by accident. It really wasn't my fault. Therefore, it's okay. No, that's not what that says. In fact, Paul even goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, if you think that you are standing firm, be very careful that you don't fall. So why is this important? Why is Paul approaching this matter talking to a legalistic approach or a legalistic way of somebody catching somebody in, a, in, in sin, because, because here's the thing. The legalist has no intentions of restoration, but intentions of destruction. The rulers of the law, the Pharisees, that was their intentions when catching somebody in sin. You remember the woman caught in adultery. Did they have any intentions of restoration? No. What was their intentions? To stone the woman. So their intentions weren't restoration. Their intentions were destruction. In fact, they even went on to say that the Pharisees and the, the, the leaders of the law, they weren't here to bear people's burdens. They, in fact, put on more burdens on people. They put an even heavier load onto some people. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Matthew 23, Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Now, that's interesting. Jesus always opposed the Pharisees, it seemed. But here he says, you need to be careful to do everything they tell you. But notice what it says next. But do not do what they do. Listen to what they say. In fact, it'd be wise for you to do what they say. But be careful if you follow them. Don't do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. We would call people like that, what? Hypocrites. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. He says it's good what they say. In fact, be very careful to do what they say, but do not do what they do. They got a good talk. They got a big talk, but they don't have a good walk. They're not living how they're talking. You see, here's what happens. Instead of feeding you well, instead of, instead of nourishing you how you're supposed to be fed, they package the law of God 
into bundles of rules and they load you down. And then they take great pleasure in watching you stumble. They take great pleasure watching you struggle as you try to bear a burden that was never meant for you, that was put on by you, by those of the law. And then they do nothing about it. But can I tell you that that is the opposite of what Jesus looks like. Because there is a yoke of the Pharisees and then there is a yoke of Jesus. And it's different because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a difference between the yoke of the Pharisees and the yoke of Jesus. Because the yoke of the, the, yoke of the Pharisees, they say it's all about self-righteousness and legalistic law keeping. In fact, I told you, they put on more things. You remember, the, remember the honor of the Sabbath? Whether we're to keep that, that, that commandment or no? I mean, my dad did a really good job of preaching on that. I can't tell you when it was, but you have to go back and find it. But he did a really good job, and he came to the conclusion through the Scripture, if you want to honor the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. If you don't honor the Sabbath, don't honor the Sabbath. But here's what the Pharisees did. They took that law, that commandment, and they added 600 more regulations to that one commandment. 600. So no wonder why people are asking Jesus, out of all the commandments, God, out of all these rules, out of all these regulations, which ones should... Which one's the greatest? Because there were so many. So this was the yoke of the Pharisees. This was the, this was the burden that they had. Now, I get it. The, the law is important. The rules, are, the rules matter. The commandments are important. But Paul says this in Romans 3.20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. But rather... So, okay, so I'm not declared righteous by the works of the law? Great, I'm just going to toss this thing in the trash. No, because we've got to finish the sentence. But rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Come on, anybody thankful that this thing picks at you, pricks at you, and, and convicts you? Anybody thankful that the word does that? Makes you aware of your sin? Some of you have been walking in sin. You're not even conscious of it because you don't even have this. And you don't even read it. So, so we, have to be, we have to be aware of our sin, what, what happens or what makes us do that is, is this thing, the law. No one's declared righteous, so the law is beneficial. It calls out our sins and our shortcomings, but it is not what declares us righteous. Imagine the burden that people are walking in today that they were never meant to walk in. Imagine the load that people are carrying today that they were never meant to carry because they were told their whole lives, you gotta keep doing, you gotta keep following you got to keep, here, here's, here's a long list. Come on, come on, you can't mess up. You can't mess up. You can't make mistakes. You got to stop cheating. You got to stop lying. You got to stop doing all these things. And therefore, it would be impossible to stop those, but we do those things. Here's what happens. We get frustrated. We start walking in shame. We don't even want to show our faces anymore because we're, we're struggling to carry a burden that was put on us by lawmakers, religious leaders that we were never meant to carry. And some of you today need to be free to the yoke of the Pharisees and start walking in the yoke of Jesus. Maybe today you realize that it was never about keeping all this, but it was about trusting in God. And here's what I'd say, because it's, a, it's like a, it's a battle. It's like, what do I do? Do I keep obeying and keep obeying and try to stop making mistakes? But I, I make mistakes because I'm a sinner. Here's what I know. The scripture says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. When you draw near to God, you start walking in greater maturity that greater maturity allows you to stop making the same mistakes again and again. I believe if we are truly following Christ, 
and we're truly following this thing right here, we will find ourselves making mistakes. Our mistakes will be far and few in between. I heard it said one time a pastor was like, you want to know how close you are from God, or to God? You want to determine the closeness you are to God? Well, how long does it take you to repent after you sin? Do you find yourself making mistakes and sinning, and then a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later, you're like, man, I think I really hurt somebody a year ago. I probably should confess that. That'll show you how close you are to God. Remember, what does this thing do? It's through this that makes me conscious of my sin. So I need this. Tell the person next to you, you need this. And if you got one, hit them on the head. You don't have to do that. You know, you like to do that. You need this thing, okay? So um, I remember one pastor said one time, and just, I just remembered this. He said, just love God and do whatever you want. Woo! That set, that's, I was like, man, that set me free. And then I realized that he was, he was wrong. <laughs> I would say to that, love God and obey his commands. Come on, then you'll live free. Some of you, are, some of you think that you could just do whatever you want, but I love God. I believe in God. The demons believed in God too. I just wonder if there's a burden that people are carrying today that you need to be set free of. I'm going to get to the how-to, but we're going to look on the how-not-to first. Is that okay? Galatians 6 verse 1. Let's, let's start walking through this. Brother and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Paul presents this idea of believers tripping into sin. Remember, he's fighting the, the, the legalist side of things. Okay? He, that's what he's fighting. And so he presents this issue. And I'll quote Warren Wearsby, a famous biblical scholar who said, Nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way the legalists treat those who have sinned. Wow. Let me say that again. Nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way the legalists treat those who have sinned. Because somebody who is led by the Spirit restores gently. But somebody who is led by the law, by legalism, puts an even greater burden on them. Puts something on them that they weren't supposed to, to have on them. That, that's, that's, what, that's what legalism does. So I'm going to get to the how-to, but I want to look one more time. Reuben, come up here for a second. Reuben, uh, everybody say what's up, Reuben. Reuben, sit here for a second. Now, um, Jesus presents something else in Luke chapter 18 that's very interesting. He, he, he's talking uh, to the crowds and to his disciples, and he presents a parable. And I want to further this point of the mindset of somebody who is on the side of uh, this, is, this is all that I follow. These are all my convictions. This is how you should live as well. And then I want to present somebody who's, who's ashamed because they just can't live up to what God has called them to live up to. And in Luke chapter 18, remember, the goal, the goal was not restoration. The goal was destruction. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery. So Luke 18, Jesus says, there's a Pharisee and a tax collector walking to a temple. Now that sounds like a good Bible joke, doesn't that? <laughs> Pharisee and a tax collector walk into a temple. The tax collector is walking in shame. So just give me your best ashamed look. You're really good at that, Reuben. So that's Reuben's, that's Reuben, it's a shamed look. And then you have the Pharisee, and I'll take the role of the Pharisee because the Pharisee is very prideful. And the Pharisee walks into this temple and he prays and the tax collector, he prays and he, he's just ashamed. He can't even look up because of how, how uh, ashamed he is of his mistakes. And this is Luke 18 and throw it up on the screen. This is verse 11. But the Pharisee, 
This is how he prays. God, I thank you that I am not like all the other people. Mm, come on, amen. God, I thank you that I am just not like them other sinners, them other peasants, God. I thank you that I am not like those other people. The, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers. I could just see the Pharisee looking around. And even the tax collector. Because I, I fast twice a week, two times. And I give a tenth of all that I have. If I could continue on with what the Pharisee might say or might think, I get excited when people mess up because it is an opportunity to declare their unrighteousness and to declare my righteousness. It is an opportunity. When people fall, when people are caught up in sin, we must handle these matters publicly to show people who they should not be like, but also to show people who they should be like, and that's me. The Pharisee, who, did I tell you that I fast twice a week and that I give a tenth of all that I have? That, that, that's what, that right there, bearing one another's burdens, does not look like that at all. That, that is not what Jesus called us to do when it came to bearing one another's burdens. In fact, that looks more like competition. And Paul said in the chapter before, chapter 6, Verse 26 of chapter 5, he said, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So this, that's not restoring gently. God, I thank you that I'm not like Reuben, the tax collector. God, I thank you that I'm not like the adulterers and the evildoers and the thieves and the liars that I know are in this room. God, I just thank you that I am not like them. That's not what it means to restore people gently. You know, when it goes on to say, be cautious and be careful when you restore them gently that you don't fall into the same sin. Sure, that could mean that I don't want to fall into the same sin that Reuben is falling into. And if I get too close and, I, and, and, and I'm there and I'm trying to restore him, I might, just, I might just dabble in what he's dabbling in. You know, if you're trying to help out an alcoholic, be careful that you don't become an alcoholic. If you're trying to help somebody struggling with lust, don't get into their places. You might, you might start struggling with lust. But what it also means is be careful that you don't step into pride to think that you are better than that person, that I am greater, I don't sin as much, my mistakes aren't as great as his, therefore now you start to walk into pride. But gentleness says, hey, Reuben, I'm, I'm here for you. Man, I love you. The, the goal of this, the goal of this sin confrontation right here, church, write this down if you're taking notes. The goal of sin confrontation should always be gentle restoration. My goal isn't to lead to condemnation. Look what Reuben has done. Everybody see it? Don't do it. Look how ashamed he is. That's not, that's, that's, you do a really good job. He should be an actor. That's not the goal. The goal is gentle restoration. I'm going to care for each other's burdens. People have lost their way, people are hurting. People are broken. People are weighed down by shame, weighed down by the expectations that they have. But restoration is essential. And don't make this about you. Make this about God and restoring somebody. Make it about that. 
Make it about coming alongside somebody and saying, hey, I'm not here to, to bring shame to you, but I'm here to help you get out of that shame, out of that condemnation. I, I don't want you walking in shame, Reuben. I want you to start walking in forgiveness. Come on, we need a Victory Life Church. If, if you stumble in sin or you caught up in sin, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to condemn you. But we are going to gently restore you. And then we're going to point you to Jesus who will keep you from doing the same things. Amen? So we're not just here to say, hey, you keep messing up. That's all right. Just keep, you know, just keep coming. Hey, you're going to keep messing up. Just keep coming. That's all right. That's all right. You know, you stink, but just keep coming. Right? We're going to gently restore you. And then we're going to point you to the person who can help you get out of what you're in. Amen? Be careful, carry each other's burdens, get them back to a place where Jesus wants them to be. And it might, it might take a, a community of some people to come alongside and say, Reuben, I'm here for you. I love you. Let's do this together. Amen. Thank you, Reuben. I appreciate that. that, that that's what, yeah, you're good to go. You're good to go. No more shame. No more shame. <laughs> Let's go. Carry each other's burdens. You know, I, I will say this. Perfection isn't possible, but, but Christ did tell us to be perfect as he is perfect, to be holy as he is holy. And I do believe as we strive to be more like Jesus, imitate Jesus, we will find ourselves. Those mistakes will be far and few in between. So let's, let's break this down a little bit more. Carry, that literally means in the Greek to lift. Friends, lifting my piano. <laughs> Friends, lifting your burdens, lifting what you're in to help get you out to make the load a little bit lighter. But carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Remember, if I go back to our main scripture in John 13, a new command I give you, this is verse 34, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another, and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is kind of a shot at the, the legalist again. Hey, you're all about fulfilling the law. Hey, here's how you fulfill it. By not putting more burdens on other people, but by bearing one another's burdens. Make the load lighter. Come alongside. See how you can help. See how you can lift them out. Don't just call them out. Don't bring upon them all this guilt, but make it lighter. Look at verse three. Let's, let's continue. If anybody thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In other words, as soon as you start to think that you are something, somebody important, you start to forget about bringing attention to others and only bringing the attention to yourself. Again, the Pharisee who said, look what I do. Look how great I am. You only go to church once a month. I'm there twice a week. How, how could you call yourself up? Again, what is it doing? You're putting the attention on yourself. You're putting the attention on all that you do, all that you've accomplished, all the laws that you follow the conviction that, that you have. And what happens is you are blinded by pride. You're deceived. This is what the scripture says. You are deceived. So what do we do? Look at verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves. Wait a minute. You just said not to have pride. No, there is a, there is a good way to have pride. But you have to take an assessment of yourself. And as soon as you start to realize, man, God, I, I've been honoring you. I've been faithful to you. I, I, I'm doing a pretty good job. I can have pride that I'm defeating the devil and all his temptations that he brings my way. Come on, anybody prideful about that? Come on, I'm gonna be prideful on that. I'm defeating the enemy, all his schemes, all his tactics. I don't let that in my house. I could be, I could be prideful in that. 
But you have to be careful. So each one should test their own actions. So again, it's kind of examining, taking an, an, an assessment and saying, you know what? How am I doing? I love what the scriptures and Psalms do. It's always like, God, search my heart. You ever prayed that prayer? And all of a sudden you're like convicted about 20 things. Why did I pray that? <laughs> but that's what happens when you sit here and say, God, search my heart. Where are some things that I need help in? What are some things that I need to adjust? What are some things that I need to change? You know what that is? That's a spirit of humility. That's a spirit of humility right there, not pride. So I just wonder, you might be too prideful, but maybe today you go home before you go to sleep. You say, God, will you search my heart? If there's any error in my life, will you call it out? In fact, would you put some people around me to help call those things out? Some good people that I trust and people that I love. That's, that's humility right there saying, God, I, I may be wrong and I may not see it. I see the speck in your eye for sure, but I have a hard time seeing the plank in my eye. Maybe you need to read the scriptures and ask God, reveal the plank in my own eye. Help me to see that. So test yourself. Take pride in that without comparing themselves to somebody else. And verse 5 says, for each should carry their own load. And now that word load is not the same word as burden. So we are to take responsibility for the work that God has given us. And then we're to help carry the burden on somebody else. So how do we do this? I always like to get super practical at the end. Because I want you to walk away with, what can I do? What does this mean? This, this word still burden. What, what, what does that really mean? And how can I step into that? Do I have to like give money? Because I ain't got a lot of money. Do I have to like make food for people? Because... I don't know how to cook. So what can I offer? Maybe I, just, maybe I just pray. So can I give you five things that I believe will help you carry the proper way? And the first one I'm going to give you is for everybody who's carrying a burden. And the, the, the other four are going to be for all of us who are to step into helping carry people's burdens. So here's the first one if you're jotting a few things down. Let me give you five. The first one's this, and then we'll pray. Make the burden known. Come on, that's as simple as it gets. Make the burden known. You cannot carry what you don't know to carry. And how can you expect somebody to step into your life and help you if you have not reached out and said, I need help? If you're drowning and you don't say anything, I might think that you're just scuba diving. I don't know. But if you cry help, then I'm going to step in and say, I'm here to help, and I'm going to bring some help with me. You've got to reach out. This is why it's important to be in church. Scripture says don't neglect meeting together like many have. This is why it's important to be in a small group. This is why we, we preach small groups. I know it's summer right now. We're not really doing a lot of small groups. Some of them are going on. But in the fall, when we kick back off, we want you to be in a small group. Why do I got to be in a small group? I'm already at church on Sundays. Can you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I have a need. There's a sin in my life. Can I address it right here? I need some prayer. No. Maybe you could. I don't know. Do it to my dad next week when he's here, not to me. But you can come to the front. Sure, we have that. But, but you have issues. You've got things in your life that you, you have needs. And needs cannot be met if needs are not known. So step into a community of, of people to help you, to come alongside of you and say, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to be your cheerleader. I'm bringing out the pom-poms. And we'll just go. And we're going to figure this out together. So if you have a burden, make the burden known. If, even if it's after service and you're saying, hey, I, I just, I got a weight on me that is just too much and I can't do this on my own. Thank God for the people sitting next to you. Maybe, 
listen, I, I think God does things in the supernatural that we don't know. And maybe the person sitting next to you is sitting there and they're there for a specific reason to help you. And you're like, that's my spouse. They are not helping me at all with this burden. <laughs> so the person on the other, other, other chair. Make the burden known. Here, here's number two. And this is now kind of directed towards all of us about how do we properly carry. Refrain from judgment and withhold from criticizing. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? We, I don't need to talk about that. We saw that. It can be really easy to um, assume why somebody is carrying a load or a weight that they're carrying. Now, we can obviously say things like, well, they haven't been going to church. That's why. Or they haven't been reading their Bible. Or the best one that a lot of Christians use is they must be walking in sin. Now, how are you to know that? Maybe you do know that, okay? So, so maybe there are some reasons. There's the, there's the elephant in the room of why you are the way you are and why you're stuck and what you're stuck in. And so what I want you to do is not... The elephant is in the room. It's clear. It's clear why they're stuck and why they're carrying that load. But what you need to do, you can't, you can't ignore that, but don't allow that to determine the level that you carry or whether or not you carry. Does that make sense? Like I could step, oh, you need help? Oh, yeah, no, no thanks. I, I could see why you're there. Nope. Find somebody else. Find another church. No, you're stuck. I know exactly why you're there. It's clear that there is some sin in your life. It is very clear what's going. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a spiritual example. Let me give you a practical one and a spiritual one. Let's say you call me and say, Jacob, man, I'm stuck on the side of 595. I got a flat tire. You call me, I'm there. I live pretty far, so it might take me some time to get there. So just stay, stay in your car. Stay safe. Um, don't walk around. I'm going to show up. And what if I showed up and I said, well, duh. What? You got a flat tire because you have zero to no thread on your tires. Two out of the four tires you have are nails in them. Your tire pressure is low, and you should have bought new tires four months ago. What were you thinking? But I'll help you. I'll change your tire. Unless it's the one that's on the roadside, then we'll have to turn your car around because I don't, I don't want to do that. Could you imagine, like, how, how does that look? I, I'm, I'm assuming, I know why, but I don't give you all that. I just get down on the floor and I say, here, I'm, I'm here to help you. Now, let's say you call me and you say, Jacob, man, I'm just, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, I am struggling with. I've got some issues. I'm, I'm deep diving into to some immoral stuff sexually, and I need, some, I need some help. Now, what if I showed up to your house and I said, you know why you're in that? You have no accountability. You have zero filters or blocks on all your devices, Things that you've allowed into your household, what were you thinking? And all your recent trips to the strip club, you didn't think that would, that would help? What were you thinking? So just, just imagine, I'm here to restore gently, but I'll forgive you. But I wanted you, to make, I wanted you to make it clear that this is why you're in this mess. That isn't restoring gently. That's judging and criticizing and trying to pull somebody out while you're sitting on the boat and they're drowning and you don't, you got a float in your hand and you're just saying, man, I wish I could give you this floaty, but clearly you put yourself there for a reason. So you're going to stay there and we're going to teach you a valuable lesson today. You just got caught in adultery. Scripture says you are to be stoned. Oh, Jesus is here. Come on, Jesus. Show this woman and all these people around what she's doing. They should not have asked Jesus that question. So we have to be very cautious not to step into criticism or judgment. Instead, we say things like, hey, I'm here for you. 
I'm gonna help you get out of this. I know you're struggling with this right now. I know you're a single mom and you don't really check your tires often, so I'm gonna show up to your house once a month and I'm gonna check your tire pressure because your car isn't new and doesn't have the tire pressure on it already. You know, I'm like, it's right there on the screen. It tells you there's an alert. Again, we're not here to criticize or judge. We're here to just just not say that stuff. (laughs) Uh, But I'm here to help you. Man, I'm here to help keep you accountable. You're struggling with with lust and addiction. Let, Let me help you. And if not me, let me find somebody that can step into your life and keep you accountable. Let me find somebody at the church. Will you allow me to talk to some people and say, Hey, my brother or my sister are struggling. Can you step in? Because I can't. That's what, that's what restoring gently looks like. Here, here's the third one. <clears throat> Be prepared to get messy. Uh, no amens in that because. Uh, <clears throat> Be prepared to get messy. You know, I, I'm a big fan of white shoes. And I've told you this before. So I got a pair of shoes that can get dirty and they're not white. So if you need my help. If you got a burden on you that you, you got to lay some sod, I'm not bringing my white shoes. I'm just smart about it, but I know I'm going to get messy, right? I, I know what it's going to look like. I've told you about this plenty of times, man. I, I love my truck, but my truck is God's. I'll give it to you if you need it. Well, not permanently, but if you need to borrow it. Do you know how many times I have lent my truck? I got somebody who says, Jacob, man, I just need some help. I got a load that's too, too much. I can't afford a U-Haul. I know you got a truck and you help me out. And I will always say, hey, I might not be available, but my truck is available, so you can come and take my truck. You know how many times I get my truck back? I've got no gas in it, and I've got some new dinks on the side of my truck. And I don't care. I don't care. It gives us some character, too, you know? I thank God for what he's given me, and I'm just a steward of it. And if he wants to take it from me or add some more character to it, then I'm, I'm okay with that. So be prepared to get messy. Be prepared to get a little bit dirty. You're going to step into some trenches. Be prepared. You're going to start helping some people out. You're going to help a single mom with their kids. It might not be as glamorous as Instagram puts it. You might get some snot on your clothes. Don't wear some nice clothes if you're going to help somebody. If you're showing up to the foster adoption group, right? It might get crazy. You might start sweating. So don't wear jeans and a button-up. Wear something you can run around in. Be prepared. Come on, be prepared to get messy. Because who stepped into your mess? Who stepped into your mess? Jesus. He wasn't afraid, no matter how much you stunk, no matter how foul mouthed you were, no matter what kind of things you were in, no matter the dirt you were in, how deep the hole you were in, he showed up and he turns your mess into a message. We know that, we've heard that. So maybe God is saying, I need you, I turned your mess into a message. I need you to step into some people's messiness and make that a message as well. So prepare to get messy. Here's the fourth one. Don't try and take it all or carry it all. Don't try and take it all or carry it all. You didn't sign up to take the entire burden off of somebody. I know some people like that. They're always, they're always weighed down, and I'm like, what's going on? So-and-so is going through this. So-and-so is going through that. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to be there for them. And so it's very clear for us to know how much of a load that we can carry. That's why Scripture says take an assessment. Make sure you know the load you have to carry, right? You got kids at home, you, you got to take care of your kids first. You can't just start taking care of everybody else's kids. If your wife says, hey, you're doing great out there, but you're a failure at home, you have not been carrying your load at home well. So know how much you can carry and know that you were never meant to carry somebody's load completely. Now, as much as I would have liked my friends to come over and carry the piano by themselves, I figured I'd help a little bit. So I made sure I grabbed the lighter side. 
Because <laughs> I didn't want the heavy side. But I, I was helping, and they were helping me. Just know that you were never meant to carry somebody's load. You were meant to step in and help distribute the load. So it wasn't all on them. And here's the last one, the most important one. Point them to the greatest burden bearer. And that's Jesus. Point them to the... The first four steps sounds great, but also sounds like a lot of rehab facilities. They forget the last step. All the other ones are great. In fact, I know some, some Christian rehab centers that I have some, have some friends go through. And they said the only difference between this one and that one is they, Jesus. They point us to Jesus. Because all the steps were great. Step one, step two, what is there, 12 steps? All those steps are great. But the step about Jesus was the one that mattered the most. And so if we come in and we get messy and we help them, we don't carry it all, we get that, but we forget to point them to the one who is gonna change everything. We forget to point them to the one who's gonna get them out of that mess and keep them away from that mess. Because at some point you're gonna be like, man, I've, I've helped you get out of this 20 times. Well, stop helping them, just point them now. Get them to Jesus. That's the only, if you're broken in here, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're hurting, let me read what Matthew 11 says. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Come to me. Some of you have been trying to be the savior of some people, and God did not call you to be the savior. God called you to point them to the savior. Some of you have been making promises that you can't keep. You've been offering things that you can't offer. You've been doing so much elsewhere that your home life and your marriage is struggling. But I'm doing great things, God. Oh, you're doing them for yourself. You have a load that you have to carry. That's why you were never meant to be fully responsible for people's journeys and their, their salvation. That's God's job. I thank God that is God's job. I thank God as I, as I uh, plant the seeds that it's not my job to water them because that would get discouraging. That, that would be a burden that I would put on myself. If I was responsible for you and your marriage and all that you did, if I was fully responsible, I would not be walking in obedience. So I point you to who? Jesus. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus said, come to me, I'll show, you how to, I'll show you how to rest. Come to me, I'll show you what it looks like to live freely and to live lightly. Come to me, I'll, sh I'll show you. Come to me. You're hurting, you're broken, you got a burden on you that you can't carry, come to me. I got you. Anybody thankful that Jesus has you in, in, your, in his hands? Man, I love that. I love that. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Come on. I sing these songs to my kids, and my kids sing them. I'm like, how do you know that? Sunday school. I'm like, thank God for Sunday school and kids ministry. Wow. By the way, Netsu, you do an amazing job, you and your husband with our kids. My four... My four-year-old will bring things home that he does in kids' class, and, and it's just like a piece of paper. And, and he, like, drew one line, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nechi, you and your husband are doing an amazing job. Thank you so much for your investment. Thank you for training up our children. 
Thank you for loving them. Thank you for being there for them. And, and I pray, we're really praying for Mega Sports Camp that, like you said, we're gonna, we're gonna teach them about God. We're gonna, we're gonna play some sports, but we're gonna teach them about God. And so I'm excited to send my kid and get a break for an evening all week and for them to be <laughs> minutes. Hey, would you stand to your feet? Father, thank you so much that you said, this is how you should behave. Just love one another. And Lord, I pray these past six, seven weeks as we've broken down these one another's, God, that I pray that certainly the people were encouraged, but people were also reminded of how we're actually supposed to do this. We're supposed to be patient with one another. We're supposed to forgive one another. We're supposed to encourage one another, be unified with one another. There's a lot. But Lord, this last one is important too because people are hurting and people are, they have wounds, they have, they have needs. And a lot of times it's, our pride kicks in and says, I, I, can't, I can't tell anybody, but the truth is maybe it's time today to tell somebody. Maybe it's time today that we're gonna worship for a little bit. Maybe you need to just show, walk up to this altar and first acknowledge it before God and say, God, I have a burden that I cannot carry. I am trying to do way too much and I need help. I need help. And so if that's you, I wanna invite you. I'll have a, maybe a couple prayer partners up here and we'll pray for you, but we don't have to. You can just sit up here and kneel. Maybe it's not today, maybe it's tomorrow where you pick up that phone and you call somebody or you knock on the door. You got neighbors for a reason. And it's not just to yell at them and get mad at them where they park, but it's also to do life with. Who, who would have thought that we could do life with our neighbors? Some of you, you have great neighbors and they're your best friends. And people like you, you talk to your neighbors. But what if God has assigned you in a specific street with a group of people that were there to help you and bear your burdens with you and carry your burdens with you? I just wonder, would you ask God to search your heart even now, just in this moment, would you just say, God, search my heart. Just between you and the Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, Jesus. Make me aware of the burdens that I cannot carry. Make me aware of the, the things that I cannot lift on my own. Make me aware, God, and would you put people in my life to step in and help me? Would you put some families in my life to step in and speak into where I'm weak at and where I'm struggling with, God? Would you, would you help me, Father? Would you point that out in my life? If you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're wounded, Jesus just says, come, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come on, would you continue to just ask him in these next few moments as we sing, God, would you call anything out that I need some behavior modification? Help me to step into the burden that is light. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.